Well, look at that. Episode 18. I am on a roll to have an episode out per month, uh, as long as nothing stops me from getting this done. Uh, today's the 29th, and I'm going to apologize up front. I I really wanted to do like a like New Year's show, but like there's so many shows going on, and I've been traveling so much, um, handling family stuff uh, as well. Uh, I know you guys know how it is, but I'm a one-man show here at The Lowered. Um, I'm looking to change that soon. But we'll we'll see. Uh, few announcements forthcoming. Uh, anyway, episode eighteen. I'm pretty excited. It's a longer episode. I cover a lot of ground. Uh, I do apologize up front in regards to the fluctuation in audio quality. Some of this was recorded in a hotel room. Uh, some of it was recorded at my you know in my house in the the room I normally use to record with a really nice microphone uh, and. What are you going to do? You're just trying to make sure I get this content out for you and meet my, my New Year's resolution for 24, which is, of course, putting an episode out per month. Um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoy episode 18. As always, uh, I'm always uh, posting on my Facebook page, The Lowered, uh, my Instagram, The Lowered HMFIC. I post longer format stuff on The Lowered website, and um, I do have a... Uh, Patreon that I set up, which I'm still trying to figure out. Um, so if you want to support me, you can do it that way for now. Um, and I'm really excited. I think I found a dropshipping company um, in talks with two different dropshipping companies right now, trying to figure out which one will be able to give me the, you know, not only the product, but the quality that I want to make sure if I'm putting my my logo, my name on stuff, uh, you guys have been following me for a while. You know I've had a lot of hiccups in not being able to get a product I can feel comfortable with. Um, so when I when I'm ready, you guys know it'll be good. So I'm really excited uh, for what's coming. So episode 18. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's so cool that I have ads now. Um, so if you have a truck and you need a bed cover and you want something that has like a secure, like armored feel, um, you don't want like, you know, just a tonneau that somebody could slice and, and steal all your stuff. You want to be able to put stuff in the bed and feel secure, but you also want to be able to fold it up and not lose your complete line of sight out of your back window. Um, and you want something made here in the United States, I would say um, check out Paramount. Uh, they sent me a cover. It's uh, for on Truckee Verde now. Uh, if you go on my uh, thelowered.com, you can see a full article that I wrote on its installation. And um, it's it's just a really nice cover. And it's made in the U.S. And it's it's got a really low profile for that like old school Tonneau vibe that I was really hunting for. And it was really important to me to not have something that folds up and blocks the back window so I can't see what's going on. And if you have a longer bed, it's even cooler because the, you can collapse the cover up to the cab and then kind of kink it sideways in the bed and it just lifts out. And then you can store it, you know, either wrap it up and leave it at home or kind of put it on the side of the bed so it's out of your way. If you need to haul, um, you know, something that you don't want that bed even folded up against the cab, you have that option. So um, it's a really cool cover by a really cool company uh, made right here in the United States. 
And if you go to their website and order one, you get 15% off. If you type in uh, T-H-E-L-O-W-E-R-E-D-1-5. So you guys know I like supporting American-made products, and this is a good one. I got it on my own truck. Uh, it, it's watertight, and I, I love it. So yeah, check them out. Alright, so these guys have been with me for a while. I don't know if the code is still valid, so I don't want to give out the code, but I still feel good about recommending the company. Uh, big thanks to Zendex Tools for sponsoring us here at The Lowered. A long time ago, they sent me a set of their GoJacks, and uh, at the time I was living in a regular, you know, two-car garage, three-bedroom, you know, two-bath style, uh, you know, suburban home. And... While the garage was, was you know, pretty good normal, or, or I would say a little bit bigger than normal two-car garage, uh, when you're trying to park, you know, vehicles like I own, uh, and you probably own too, you know, a 41 Buick Super Coupe and my green 66 hardtop in a standard two-car garage, it just, just wasn't working out, you know, especially since the laundry, um, you know, washer and dryer were also in the garage, you know, you, you don't want them you know, that close when somebody's doing laundry because then they end up getting leaned on and people start stacking stuff on them if you have people that don't love you. So uh, having the GoJacks just made that way more workable and super easy. Uh, you pull the car in, um, they look like kind of like a fork with the tine, middle tines missing and they have wheels on each corner. Slide them in on either side of, the, of a you know wheel and then you step on a lever to like close the tines together which lifts the car up and because they have casters on them you put one under each corner of the car and you literally can just move the car around like it's a you know a shopping cart at a grocery store um, so I could pull a car into the middle of the garage you know put a go jack on each corner of the car get it jacked up and then all by myself just push that car right you know up against the wall and they're made in America they're the build quality on them is incredible uh, and they have like a little rack that they store on as well uh, they even have a wall mount rack now which I think I, I probably am gonna need to order here pretty soon uh, which will let me get it up off the floor which is even better um, now they have a three-car garage I don't have to use them as much but I've still used them um, you know, when I'm trying to do a photo shoot or something, I'm trying to get real artsy, um, having them on hand to, to, you know, instead of getting in the car and, you know, having to drive it around in circles and move it, uh, being able to just throw Gojacks under it and then kind of just slide it around a little bit to get the light just the way you want it is it's, it's an amazing option. And if you have a actual shop, being able to move project cars around that may not be running, I mean, I can't think of a better option. So they're, they're not cheap, um, but, you know, they're made in America. You get what you pay for, uh, and they're absolutely worth the price. I can't recommend them enough. So uh, Zendex Tools, Gojax. Uh, I'll have to see if my, if my discount thing is still, uh, um, still alive. Uh, I'll have to reach out to them and figure that out. Man, so much going on. So as I'm recording this, there are uh, cold snaps and pretty rough weather going on all over the U.S., uh, but 
the reason why we're talking about weather is because of Tesla. And I know I feel like I'm kicking Tesla all the time. Uh, I do want to reiterate, I don't hate Tesla. I'm a fan of Tesla for what I perceive that they are, uh, which is a company that is trying and I would say successfully, well, previously successfully, we'll, we'll see what happens. There's been some announcements, uh, but a, a company that has successfully brought electric cars into mass market, uh, which isn't an easy task. Uh, you know, electric cars are, are not anything new. They were here before. Uh, Jay Leno's got a few uh, from the 1800s. It was in direct competition with, you know, in internal combustion engines back in the day. It's happening again now. Uh, and Elon was able to make that happen. So I, I applaud the innovation. I applaud the attempt, um, the balls to, to pursue something like that. Um, his success, uh, his ability to, you know, have been, he's been manufacturing for a while now. He's got several models out. Um, he isn't getting them out on time, you know, and there's certainly been issues with the, the vehicles that he's put out, uh, which I have detailed in the past, but I, I'm, I'm a fan of anybody that's given something a try. Uh, he's certainly swinging for the fences and he's, he's made a go of it. So I digress. Uh, what's been in the news is with the cold snaps, uh, especially in Chicago, there's been a lot of news showing people with Teslas showing up at um, charging stations. Unfortunately, because uh, America doesn't do infrastructure anymore, apparently, uh, there's not that many charging stations in uh, in Chicago and people, because it takes so long to charge a Tesla versus just, you know, filling a, a car up with fuel, uh, people were running their batteries down to the point where the car was just completely dead. Um, it being really cold, also affecting battery life, certainly wasn't helping the cause. And there was lots of video of people complaining and uh, tow trucks coming and dragging them away. Um, other vehicles with uh, diesel generators showing up to, um, to charge as well. So it's just a big mess. And I think this is probably what surprises me the most about what I see within that community is the lack of research, the lack of um, time that these folks seem to put into these purchases, um, which has always confused me about non-car folks. Uh, I've always looked at vehicles, you know, as a, as an enthusiast. And, and obviously, you know, my opinions are colored by that, but it's shocking to me when a, if you think about the things that you purchase over your lifetime, a vehicle is second normally only to a home. Uh, and of course, car prices being what they are now, I think that's even more true now than it really ever has been. Uh, so that you would buy something as, as as expensive as a vehicle and not put any more thought into it than you would the latest fashion object uh, is, is mind-blowing to me. So um, seeing these videos of people being stuck, um, seeing people complain about their, um, you know, lack of, 
the, the way that the batteries have been affected, uh, that they couldn't charge the vehicle at their own home. They didn't have enough, the, for whatever reason, there, there either wasn't a place for it or they didn't have uh, an outlet that provided enough power. Especially when you live in an area that has this type of weather yearly is pretty wild to me. Um, another thing that really surprised me was in, in none, I, I watched quite a few of the, the broadcasts that I could find and in not one of the broadcasts did anybody being interviewed complain about the lack of infrastructure. They complained about the, you know, chargers being full and they complained about, you know, what happened when their vehicle wouldn't work, which is understandable, but no, I didn't hear anybody talk about infrastructure. I didn't hear anybody talk about what, it, you know, what it would take to bring maybe not up to, not even up to, you know, the same time frame that it would be to, to fill up a, a gas powered vehicle, but to, you know, have charger, more chargers installed or to, to build a, a power grid capable of supporting this technology that our government seems hell bent on forcing us into. So that was kind of weird. Uh, and I just happened to be at Ultra Truck Works checking on the status of my, uh, you know, Galaxy. I'm having the, the Hotchkiss TVS system installed and, and they're, they're taking their time with it. And I absolutely, they're, you know, wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, was also picking up the Sonoma Air, uh, Rick's the the new mini truck project that I'm I'm working on uh, to get some paint quotes, and we were just happened to be talking about you know what we'd seen on the news and you know how people were being affected and um, how the the oddness of the the Tesla owners' reactions, or at least the ones that we had seen, and. Uh, Joe was telling me that he had two clients in there, both with Ford Lightnings, and he was asking them, you know, how he liked the truck, how they liked the trucks. And he was saying that one of them was, you know, really stoked on the truck, um, that he had been a previous Tesla owner and that he had just gotten tired of issues with like fit and finish. And, um, you know, Ford obviously knows how to build a Ford and they certainly know how to build a truck. And so he had traded his Tesla for the Lightning, which he said he liked a lot more. Um, but what shocked me about the conversation was, I guess they had, um, one of them had like an entry level version of the Lightning and the other one had the full boat. And both guys were saying that they couldn't make it from Sacramento, uh, which is where I'm based out of, to Lake Tahoe. Um, which is, it's only, a, it's under two hours from here, you know, in, in good weather. Uh, but neither one of them could make it without stopping to charge. And then, you know, of course, you know, charging is, is it takes longer <laughs> than it than does to, to tank up a vehicle. And with a restriction of range like that, um, man, I just, I don't know. I'm for the... For the amount of money that they're charging for these electric vehicles and the amount of range that you're getting, oh man, I, I, I just can't imagine owning a truck that I couldn't drive to two hours 
Um, I mean, granted, there's a lot of hills involved and, you know, going up and down hills and through mountain passes is going to burn, you know, more juice, just like it would burn more fuel. But still, uh, ah, that's rough. So anyway, um, it's, it's bizarre to me that they're just not talking about infrastructure. Um, another thing, it's been in the news for a while, um, that also came up was uh, the there's this ranch that's on I-5 called Harris Ranch. Uh, it's a big beef ranch, and they have a big restaurant, and it's also, they have a rest stop. Um, and part of that rest stop is, uh, and, and has been for some time, a big bank of Tesla, you know, chargers. And recently, they have redone the area. Um, they used to have the chargers in front of the restaurant, the main restaurant, and they've since moved those out of the way uh, because the uh, people were having issues. You know, Tesla drivers would go in there. They're taking up all the parking for the restaurant, uh, and they there's not and there just wasn't enough chargers there to cover all the Teslas going up and down I five. So they went ahead and built a completely new area for Teslas to be charged at the Harris Ranch location. But because of the lack of infrastructure, they couldn't get enough power out to the to that location to cover all the charges that they'd put in. So basically, if this was like a gas station, you know, they is they put in like a truck stop size gas station, but they've only got enough fuel to run like two or three pumps. So that that's kind of the analogy as it was explained to me. And so their solution for that was to put a Connex shipping container sized diesel charging station on site. So if you're charging Teslas at that location, it's probably being charged with diesel, which really just underscores everything we've been talking about. You know, electric vehicles are coming down to, you know, infrastructure. And as more electric vehicles are entering the market, the infrastructure is just not keeping up, which brings us to some announcements um, that have been made recently. Um, so, as far as I can I can tell, uh, every Japanese auto manufacturer has backed away from electric vehicles. Uh, even Toyota, uh, who had you know really pioneered the hybrid uh, technology, well at least you know, successful, most successfully pioneered it, uh, with the, you know, Prius, you know, they're sticking with the hybrid technology. They're not, they're not going full electric. Um, Honda's made the same announcement. They're going to, um, not completely back away from electric, but they're, they're definitely have announced that their, their focus is, is away from electric, um, and moving more towards hydrogen, and at the time that that was coming along or coming out uh, around the same time, uh, Mercedes made a similar announcement that they're backing away from electric technology, um, you know, solely electric technology. They were going to focus on hybrid and low cost gas vehicles, uh, which is also what Honda said, uh, surprisingly. Uh, Mercedes said something similar and... Um, Volvo also 
uh, said that they, they'd be backing away from you know complete electric uh, technology. So the winds are changing and they're changing quickly. Uh, I don't I have we haven't really heard anything from uh, at least the U.S. government. I haven't come across any news in changes uh, not not here in California about the you know changes to the requirements or upcoming requirements of. Uh, you know, manufacturers providing X amount of, you know, electric vehicles or, you know, getting completely away of internal combustion. So it'd be really interesting with so many manufacturers, you know, making, you know, these statements. It'd be really interesting to see how that's handled on the, the government level. Um, it's also going to be interesting, um, not just in the U.S., but there are, you know, there's, there's already cities in Europe where they're not allowing internal combustion engine vehicles uh, within certain city limits or within certain portions of a city. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, big changes in the electric car market and the hybrid market. So kind of cool. It's uh, interesting to, to see how that all plays out. Sorry guys. So I know I said uh, Jay Leno had some uh, a few electric cars from the 1800s, um, and I don't know why I said 18. I meant 1900s. Um, he does have one from 1909, so that's pretty close. <laughs> but I, I did want to put that correction in there because I know so many of us are very, very anal about those things. So there you go. Correction made. So if you're following me on Facebook, I posted about this before already, uh, but I'll just talk about it real quick anyway. Uh, I'm really stoked on Harley-Davidson's new bike announcements, uh, the new look for the Road Glide and the Street Glide. Glide. For those of you that are not motorcycle folks, the easiest way to tell them apart is the Road Glide has a frame-mounted fairing, uh, which means that if you turn the handlebars, the frame stays static in alignment with the frame. And the street glide, the fairing is mounted to the forks. So as you turn the handlebars, the, the fairing moves with the handlebars. My favorite of the two is definitely the road glide. I think it looks amazing. Uh, the headlight treatment is awesome. And um, I, I'm pretty stoked on the carbon. Uh, I don't know if it's a real carbon, but in the pictures it looks you know like carbon inserts and uh, different plastic pieces being replaced by carbon, uh, which, you know, anything that replaces plastic for something better is, is a, certainly welcome. Um, not really a, a Harley guy per se. Um, I've, I prefer Indian, uh, but it doesn't mean I don't like them. doesn't mean I'm not a fan and I'm certainly a fan of the new road glide. I think it looks fantastic. Um, the touchscreen and, uh, and, instrumentation that they're showing looks pretty cool it'll be interesting to see what that looks like in person so i'm i'm definitely going to be checking that out uh, at my earliest opportunity and uh yeah i think they're great looking so congratulations to harley um it'll be interesting to see how the you know hardcore died in the wool harley folks are reacting to this um i'd also be you know, Harley being a brand that is so like stuck basically in its nostalgia uh, as, you know, the, the changing of the guard occurs, you know, the 
folks age out and new folks come in, it'd be really interesting to see what type of pushback or the acceptance looks like for these new, more futuristic models. Uh, it'd be cool to talk to somebody to Harley about you know how they're managing that that change. Anyway, again, uh, congratulations to Harley. I think they look great and I hope that they sell well. So I just finished writing this. Um, it, if you want to like read the more in-depth version, uh, if you want to go to my website, uh, thelower.com, and go into the blog section, I, I did a, a much longer like format version of this. Um, basically, uh, some of you guys know if you follow me closely on Facebook, I've been you know kicking back and forth the idea of a Sienna for a long time, and a new Sienna is out because I don't want to mess with hybrid, I don't want to pay for the, you know, batteries down the road, and everything I buy I keep forever. So maintenance and ease of replacement parts is a is a big deal for me. So I'm, I'm staying away from hybrid, at least for now. And so finding the minivan, you know, that I want within this certain year range um, has been well, let's just say it's been a challenge, especially with the used car prices being as high as they are. And so anytime I travel, I end up trying to, to drive something I haven't driven before. And in this case, uh, I drove, flew out to Hawaii a while back and uh, had my family with me. So we rented a Odyssey from Turo. And I never had rented anything from Turo before. And so it was kind of a strange experience. If you don't know what Turo is, it's an app, uh, and you're basically renting a car not from an agency, but from a, a private party. And there's a lot of folks on there that you know are just renting, you know, their own car, and um, other people that are actually you know kind of using it as a business, and they have multiple cars that they're renting. And that was the case with the car we rented. Uh, ended up actually you know meeting the guy. Uh, but not initially. So initially, you know, you, you choose the vehicle, you make the arrangements, and his arrangements were that, you know, we flew into Oahu, walked into the parking garage, and the van was just sitting there, and the keys were on the windshield. And I was like, that's, there's just no way that that's how they're doing things. But legit, that, that, that's what they do. Uh, at least that's what this guy does. And, uh, Turns out he has like 15 or 16 cars that he runs through Turo all the time. But living on Hawaii, I mean, that's a major tourist destination, you know. So I don't know if you could get away with something like that in a regular town. Um, but, I mean, what do I know? Anyway, he says that's what he does with all his cars. Um, he'll just park them in specific places in the Oahu, you know, airport parking lot. And you walk in, the keys are on the windshield, you jump in, you go. Um, so we got a Honda Odyssey from this guy. It was a, you know, Honda, a white Honda Odyssey. And it was, it was cool. It was the first time I've driven a Honda. I haven't, I haven't driven, well, a Honda Odyssey. I haven't driven a Honda, uh, since my, since I dated a girl that owned a Honda Civic. And I mean, I mean they're, they're just not a car that's on my radar. Not that I don't like them. Um, you know, being a big guy, just, it, Owning a Honda has just never been like, oh, I, I'm going to get one of those kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if I'm going to buy a minivan, I want to drive them all and figure out which one I like the best. Uh, 
I didn't like getting in and out of the Honda. Um, it seems to, it feels like it sits a lot lower than all the other minivans I've driven. And being a big dude, um, before I get in any vehicle for the first time, I always run the seat all the way down, all the way back, and then put the steering wheel all the way up. And if it telescopes, I pull it all the way out. And uh, the Honda had, you know, electric driver seat, and it also had tilt and telescoping wheel, which was nice. But even doing that, like, I had to, like, ball up to get in there. Um, once I was in, it was fine. It was roomy. But getting in and out kind of sucked, it, just for me. And that's an ergonomic thing. It's going to be different for everybody. So, I mean, obviously, you know, act accordingly. But um, to make a long story short with a Honda, the things that we didn't, like where it felt low which is weird because i run the lowered you would think i would i would be into that but it just didn't i don't know like the seating position inside the vehicle didn't feel right to me and i adjusted the seat and you know tried to make it you know better and it just i don't know it it, it kind of it just didn't feel right um i was not a fan of the gear selector the odyssey we had has there's a big panel right below the radio and it's got all the you know the perndle the you know park neutral reverse drive whatever is all in a stack and the buttons are like an inch square they're really big and they they kind of go centered down below the stereo which i mean unless you're delivering mail or amazon i don't know how often you're dicking around with the shifter when you're on a road trip or you're dry, just normal driving. So I don't know why they made them so big. Also, I'm not sure why minivan, many people that make minivans, they are trying to reinvent the shifter. Like, I don't, I don't understand this. It seems like every minivan has got their own special secret sauce way of putting the goddamn thing in gear. Um, I will say that the buttons felt nice, you know, when you poked them and when you made a, a selection, you know, from park to drive to, you know, to reverse to whatever, the change was almost instant. I mean, it was, it was really nice. It was really fast. I just didn't like where they put it and I didn't like how big it was. It just, it seemed like a waste of space. The other thing that we didn't like about the Odyssey was <clears throat> the... Um, yeah, I'm just going to get all the negative stuff out up front. The other thing we didn't like about the Odyssey was the, uh, the Apple CarPlay. Uh, I'm a kind of an Apple snob, so I, every vehicle I have, if it's got a stereo, it's got to have CarPlay. And, um, for some reason, the Honda has two, this one had two USB ports right, like, under where the, the gear selector center part was in the, the lower center part of the dash. But those weren't the ones that worked CarPlay. If you wanted CarPlay, like through a physical connection, you had to plug it in through the, like a, a secret USB that was inside the center console. And that was like really counterintuitive. Um, once you knew it was there, it kind of made sense because it, you know, that one's out of the way and it gives you like a permanent place to drop your cord. And it's, you know, there aren't a bunch of cords dangling there all the time. Uh, and it makes it easy for your passenger if they need to charge their phone the cord's like right, you know, the jack is right there in front of them so they don't have to go looking for it. So I get why they did what they did, but, you know, for somebody just jumping into a car, you know, especially a rental without any instruction, like, 
we only found this the the hidden one the one in the center console by accident so didn't like that and uh the apple infotainment system just it or the the honda infotainment system just didn't seem fast like it, it paused all the time and it in the you had to like unplug and replug um, and we tried several different cables. I don't know if it was a, a port issue or if it was just like a speed issue, but like that kind of sucked with uh, the Honda. Where the Honda really shined was pretty much everywhere else. Uh, the interior was a dark interior. Uh, so, you know, if it had a lot of wear, it was hard to see, um, which is good. You know, it hides wear, which is what you want in a minivan that's, you know, you're putting kids and stuff and dogs and whatever in. You know, you don't want something like these guys driving around with Teslas with white interior. Like, you just don't want that. So that was really cool. Um, it also handled nice. Like, I don't want to say sporty, but like may maybe minivan sporty, if that makes sense. Like, it it was tighter than normal minivans. It was, it was a decent ride. And it shifted nice and like i already mentioned when you you made a gear selection even though the buttons were weird um that was really nice it steered nice um and the power was like minivan decent um i don't know where it would fall if you were to drag race it against all other minivans not that you would do that but like it felt confident when you were driving it like it was sufficient um so that was the honda odyssey in short uh, we returned it to the guy, super nice guy, and uh, while I was driving it, uh, it I guess it got hit at a at a we were at a, at a shopping center, and when we came back out, somebody had hit the bumper, and it didn't. I, I posted some pictures of the damage, and that's why I've waited so long to tell the story because I had to wait till like all the insurance shit like you know washed out, um, but. It's all taken care of. Um, it doesn't look too bad in the pictures, but when you put your hand on it, like you could really, the grooves are super deep. I don't know what the hell the guy was driving that hit it in that parking lot, but apparently it was covered in sandpaper and gravel. Um, and then there was some cracks like in that side of the bumper. And so I'm sure they had to replace the bumper, but thankfully it didn't get into the rear quarter. So that was good. And the guy that, the guy that we rented it from was super nice about the whole thing. Um, so that was cool. So all in all, Turo, not a bad experience, except for like the whole leaving the keys on the windshield thing in a parking garage is super sketchy. And I'm sure not all Turos are that way, but that's my first tour experience. So, you know, you got to go by what you know. The second minivan we got, uh, we got from a conventional rental agency that I've done business with before. And if you're flying somewhere and you see this like company, I'm going to say give them a shot. Uh, it's called Sixth, S-I-X-T-H. And uh, we found them by accident. Uh, the first time we, we rented through them, we had flown in. Um, I can't remember if it was Texas or Hawaii, but the line for the rental agency we were trying to get a car at was like 3,000 deep. Like you would have thought you were at a ride on Disneyland for the people lining up in this this rental agency. And after standing in line there for over an hour and not making it hardly past the front door, um, I just happened to be near one of the counters and somebody walked by and they're like, yeah, we're just pulling cars from this other agency because we've been out of cars for two days. 
So I was like, fuck this. And I, we, uh, we split and canceled our reservation online. And we found this, this sixth center uh, that was in the line with the rest of the rental places at the airport. And it was empty. And I mean, it looks like an, like a bootleg Apple store. When you walk in, everything's like orange and black. And we walked right in. The people were super cool. And we got our car like, bam, super fast. So anytime I see them at an airport, I've been jumping on them lately. I say check them out. Um, and no, they're not a sponsor. But if they want to be, sixth, hit me up. I'm, I'm down. Anyway, um, so we got a Chrysler from them. And this is, it's funny that I say sixth hit me up and I'm about to shit on sixth. But what are you going to do? I, you guys know I'm not going to lie. Um, so... This was like the trashiest car that I have gotten from 6th. Um, we needed a van, of course. Uh, this time they gave us a Chrysler. And um, I've had Chryslers before, and Chrysler minivans are great. I mean, they're, they're, like, they're like that old pair of shoes that you like wouldn't wear to somewhere where people were going to look at you. Like, not to work or to, to go out or, you know, if you were going to hang, even if you were going to hang out with your buddies, like, you probably wouldn't wear these shoes. But, you know, if you're mowing the lawn, you know, or you're, you're doing an, you know, you're going to Home Depot or you're pulling weeds or, you know, working on your car, the, the comfy old shoes, these are the ones you go for. And that's kind of the Chrysler to me. Um, Chrysler's not known for their fit and finish, and being bought by Stellantis certainly didn't help the cause. But they it's still a good vehicle. I mean, they haven't changed it much in, I don't know, three decades. And it's they're they're the they really are the company that brought the minivan back. Uh and or you know, it reintroduced it to the to the States. And so it's it they really have all the features figured out. And the shit that you need to work works. Like, it may not be pretty inside, and the interior doesn't really hold up very long, wear and tear-wise. But the doors are going to open, they're going to close. The seats are going to roll back and forth. You know, like, the the stuff, if it's not electric, it's, it's going to work great. And that's always been my experience. Uh, like I said, this is the roughest car I've ever gotten from 6th, and it's the second roughest Chrysler that I've gotten from anybody um, it had black leather. Well, I say leather, but you know, black leather looking interior. I don't know if it was real leather, but somehow either through cleaning or wear and tear or time, I don't know. Somehow the seats all look like polished trash bags. I don't know how that happens. Um, and this thing had so much sand in it. I'm halfway positive that I got like four or five miles per gallon less driving this thing around for how much sand it had in it. And it's not like um, it hadn't been cleaned because like we, we had to actually wait an additional like 40 minutes for this thing to, I, maybe it had just been returned. I don't know, but uh, it was still dripping wet when they brought it to us um, to load our shit in to go. And when we opened the doors, it was, it smelled like curry farts and disease. Uh, so we had to roll all the windows down. Um, as I mentioned, it was full of sand. And the Chryslers have these long open tracks for the middle seats. And when I saw that and I saw all the sand, I thought, oh, man, like these seats aren't going to move and it's going to be a hassle. But, you know, Chryslers are they're like 
they're like AK-47s. I mean, they just, you fill them full of mud, you fill them full of trash. They, they just work, at least the minivans. And we didn't have any problems uh, with it. Um, the Apple CarPlay works like everything else, like you expect it to. You plugged it in, it lit right up, it worked fantastic. Um, this Chrysler, however, felt really slow. And I'm jokingly continuously going to blame it on how much sand was in it. Um, the transmission was just, it, it didn't shift hard and it didn't shift like it was broken. It just shifted like it was like, like it had been smoking weed with Snoop Dogg all day. You know, like it just was not ready to go. Um, it certainly wasn't anywhere near as responsive as the Honda. Um, and it felt like it had a, it had like maybe 75% the power. I know if you go online and you look at these minivans, they're all within, you know, like 20 horse of each other, but this Chrysler was, was not feeling it. And they, both the Honda and the Chrysler had around 40,000 miles. But if you would have told me that the Chrysler had 300,000 miles on it, I would not have even looked at the odometer. I wouldn't have even argued with you. Um, it was also, it like, like I said, this is the roughest one I've ever gotten from sixth and like it had so many water spots on it, like and like layered water spots on it, like you couldn't see hardly out of the side view mirrors. Um, so it was it was pretty rough. And and the reason why I mentioned that is because I clobbered the shit out of that one too. Um, I don't remember how far into our trip, uh, but we uh, the place we were staying, you know, you park in the. Um, you park in this like garage and the spots are super tight because they're trying to fit as many people in there as they can. And I happened to pick a spot that had a big column, you know, towards the, the, the entry point of the parking spot on the driver's side. And, you know, it had, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how I lost track of it, but I cut the turn wrong trying to, to make sure and I wasn't hitting the car that was parked next to me and I got the column right in their driver's side door like I just didn't see it in the rear view mirror at all the side view mirror at all and I'm going to blame the water spots for that um, but it's funny um, you know people joke about wrecking rentals all the time and like how they don't care but like I felt like such an asshole for not only making the mistake but hurting machinery that wasn't mine and it just like my my wife and kids were like constantly like trying to like hey it's okay you know i didn't they weren't like harping on it but i was obviously you know visibly bummed you know for like the next day and a half like it was it was rough uh we also anytime i rent a car i always take like what they call like the walkaway insurance and this is the first time i've ever had to use it and it was not walk away uh, we, we dropped off the car at the airport. We told them, you know, that there had been a problem, you know, there'd been, a, that I, I wrecked it. We, they looked it up. They're like, okay, you got the insurance. They asked what happened. We told them, you know, in detail what, what we, what I'd done. And we figured that was it. Um, well, you know, when you come home from a vacation, you've got a lot of, you catching up to do. And so apparently they'd emailed a couple times and I hadn't seen it or just, spaced on it and 
they sent actually ended up sending a, a letter saying like if I didn't respond to this letter like it was going to be a problem and they wanted me to like re-explain everything that happened in detail and then they called to go over the the letter when I sent it in like so it was like and I also noticed that they they tried to sneak in like some extra shit you know that I wasn't responsible for um, so that kind of sucked. Uh, I won't say that it soured me on six. I'll definitely rent with them again. And like I said, Hey, you guys want to, want to work out something? Let me know. Um, there, they are, I, I've had decent service with them. And even this like minor thing, I think a lot of it was my fault. Like if I had responded to the email, I'm sure it, it would have been fine. And like, I wouldn't have got the, the, Hey, you need to pay attention to us letter in the mail um the only other thing about the chrysler was that um where the the odyssey didn't show much if anywhere and the the chrysler like i said it it just it it couldn't have shown where more um it only had dark interior from like the the windowsill down and everything above was this like light tan color and the whole roof from front to back was like covered in spots of like different color colored juice or drinks or soda like splashes and you could see all the marks on the roof where people had been loading stuff or unloading it and you know and it hit the, the headliner and you know I don't, I don't know how the hell you'd even clean a headliner like that but um also the carpet in the the storage area in the the rear of the van had just like sm fallen apart like it was just co coming uh, delaminated all the way around it was kind of like a rag or a towel like wadded up at the bottom of the well um, and where the Honda like I said they ha both had similar miles um, the Honda still felt tight and like relatively like you know it felt good when you were driving it you didn't notice like whistles or creaks or cracks or groans um, the Chrysler absolutely you know all of that like the i don't know chrysler just doesn't do interiors particularly well um their new cars look great but um i've had some really bad experiences uh with my mom's srt cherokee and so yeah i'm just not i'm not a believer when it comes to their fit and finish on interior but if i had to choose between the honda and the chrysler and i could find a nicer you know uh, a, Similar mile vehicles, similar price. Um, although, let's be real, the Chrysler is going to be way cheaper. Um, if I could find a clean version, um, I'd probably go Chrysler. Uh, and the reason is um, not only because I, I know I'm going to get one way cheaper than I would get for the Honda. Um, I don't know. I just they just feel better to me ergonomically, and um, they're also cheaper. And if I'm buying a minivan, um, unless I got like the exact, like something that I was really super stoked on, uh, we're going to be putting the dog in this thing. You know, we're going to be filling it full of kids. We're going to be going to basketball, to soccer, and I don't expect it to hold up. And I don't expect, you know, to be getting a lot of money for it when I finally let it go. Um, I don't ever buy a vehicle with the intent of it not living a good life or it being a throwaway and unless i got something super cool or special minivan wise uh i just 
I think this would be the first vehicle I bought with like that intent. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably go, if I had to choose between the Chrysler and the Honda, I'd probably go Chrysler. Uh, it doesn't ride as nice, it doesn't perform as good, uh, but it's it's floaty and squishy and that kind of American floaty, squishy suspension style. And I'm that's what I grew up with, so that's what I'm used to. And if I'm on a long road trip, to be honest, that's what I prefer. Uh, it's also, you feel like you're sitting higher and more upright. Um, you know, the view seemed better um, in the Chrysler, even though I heard it way worse than anything I've heard in years. Um, so yeah, I would have to choose the Chrysler, but I'm not crazy. I mean, if you read any reports, um, any reviews, again, where they've got the big minivans all lined up, the Chrysler is always in the top one or two. And it's, I don't think I've ever seen a review where a Honda was ahead of the Chrysler, which is always shocking to me. But, you know, with that kind of repetition, it shouldn't be. So anyway, that is my minivan review story and how I ruined two minivans while we were in Hawaii. Um, like I said, insurance is finished on both of them. So now I can talk about it. Uh, do with that information what with, you know, whatever you will. <laughs> anyway, it was a good time. All right, Moon Eyes Irwindale. So I'd never been to the show before, and I couldn't figure out why until I looked at a calendar, and it's because Moon Eyes Irwindale is the weekend before Grand National Roadster Show. Both of these shows are down in L.A., and I live up in Northern California, which is, depending on traffic and road construction, which there are always both, um, can be between 8 to 12 hours, uh, round, or, you know, one way one way so um but you know i'm trying to generate as much content as i can and post as much original content as i can for you guys and so i was like i got the time let's do it so i uh, shot down to irwindale uh, i always stop in and see jake at stone custom fab uh just i've been stopping there for god he forever for gener like it feels like for decades now but uh, i don't know however however long he's been at that at that spot i've probably been stopping by uh, i love seeing his shop i love watching him grow and seeing like every year like he at he's adding he's doing more he's always accomplishing and refining and like seeing his growth has been amazing so i just love making that stop when i go down there um, always stopping in fresno to say hi to him Unfortunately, uh, I w well, not unfortunately, because I love driving Trucky Verde. Um, even with the issues, I'm I'm still kind of working through with her. It's it's all you know. I absolutely love that truck. No plans of ever letting that one go. Um, but when you're going to a show like Moon Eyes Irwindale, uh, it would have been uh, obviously I would have rather been driving the Galaxy. Uh, that one is still at Ultra Truck Works, uh, getting the Hotchkiss TVS suspension system converted to AccuAir. So it'll still be bagged, uh, but I'm going from Dakota Digital to AccuAir and from stock suspension with the springs replaced for bags to the H or Hotchkiss TVS with modified for air. So anyway, <clears throat> didn't get to take the Galaxy, which was kind of a bummer, but uh, cruising down to Irwindale was, was pretty much un uneventful. I did um, 
I'll have to pull over on the way down. Uh, I was laughing so hard, my guts were hurting. You know, you like you're driving, you like catch something out of your peripheral, and you're like, was that shit even real? And uh, it actually was pretty close to my house. Uh, I live in Northern California, and um, as much as the uh, people in charge are trying to to ruin as it all of California as fast as possible, there is still some kind of cool spots up here. And uh, still some, you know, agricultural and farmland. And I kind of take this back way um, through that whenever I can because it's, you know, it's what I grew up. I, I like seeing that. So I didn't expect this, however. Uh, so I go like, it's this the picture like a long sweeping right-hander, like a long sweeping right-hander that goes up in elevation and then kind of drops down and at the apex um, you know, goes up at the apex and then drops down the other side. And so as I'm doing that, I'm coming down the other side. There's this uh, cow and it's backed up against uh, it's backed up against the fence. And the fences here are a mix of normally like, you know, wood and, and steel T posts with, you know, very like sometimes uh, like grid style fencing, but always barbed wire. And uh, there just happened to be a power pole right there and the stringer for the power pole went right by the, uh, like next to the fence and this cow had backed itself up and like had smashed the fence hard enough that it was like wearing a um like a barbed wire thong and it was like legit twerking on the side of the road with the metal t-post and the barbed wire twisted so it was going up the crack of its ass I laughed so damn hard. I literally had to pull over. I, my guts were hurting. I was. It was so absurd and wild. I mean, <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, cow twerking, and then as you go by it, you're looking down the barrel of it. You know, like front row at a strip club, almost of like barbed wire, like somehow all wrapped up in its ass crack, just twerking away. I was like, I, is it stuck? Is it scratching? Like, I so many questions, but. Anyway, that was the most uh, eventful part of that trip, other than stopping by and seeing Jake, which is always nice. And <clears throat> found a cool hotel, like real close to, to the, the racetrack. Um, getting into the, the show was weird uh, because there didn't seem to be like clear directions um and then when you got in there were even though i was super early there there was already a line that was you know <clears throat> down the street and like for the most part people were being cool um but there was a few folks like trying to cut in and then finally when you get in like the parking lot that they used to normally park cars was the show you know that that's where they're i mean it's it's not it's a big venue it's a racetrack but it's not that big of a venue um, so they had to use, you know, the, the part where you normally park for the, for the show. So once they ran out of other parking, uh, they were putting like, I, I, they put, I was one of the first folks they put on the oval track at Irwindale. And I don't know if you've ever been on an oval track, um, or to like an actual, you know, NASCAR race or something like that. But when you see, you, you realize that the bank is steep, but like until you're on it, <laughs> <laughs> that is legit 
another experience altogether. Uh, and of course, we were like the first group of cars to be let in. So I was at the top of the bank. So I'm driving Truckee Verde and I pull into the show, uh, you know, I pull into park and like we stop and I'm just like, I sh just shut her off. And I was kind of like, you know, getting my shit situated so I could start walking towards the show. And I hear this yelp. And I look at, I like saw, you know, you catch something again in your peripheral. I saw this like blur in my side view mirror. And this poor girl in the car behind me had opened her door and was holding onto the door. And because, you know, it's on the downward side of the slope, it just like flung open and shot her down, you know, down the, the bank. I... I mean, you know, there's that whole mix of like, oh shit, is she going to die? And like, try not to laugh because somebody could be hurt, but she was fine um, and super embarrassed. And of course she had a whole car full of folks and uh, she was dressed, you know, well, uh, like she's going to the club and that is not the outfit you want to be like wearing when you go rolling down a hill made out of asphalt. So Anyway, um, the show was great. Um, uh, the parking situation, not so much, but what are you going to do? Um, pretty much if you close your eyes and you're like, I wonder what a Moon Eyes show would be like. Like whatever you have in your head is probably pretty accurate. It was a lot of like local folks, traditional hot rods, customs, uh, lowriders, bombs. Uh, there was even a couple mini trucks. If you follow my Facebook, you probably saw the, you know, when I was posting that coverage. Um, <clears throat> I'm already through that coverage as of right now. I'm, I'm kind of most of my way. I'm maybe three, maybe a quarter of the way through my Grand National coverage. But fantastic show. Um, you know, lots of vendors, some really cool vendors that you don't normally get to see, uh, like local skate shops and, um, uh, like clothing shops and um there was a couple uh there was like the stuff that you you do see the big ones like moon eyes of course had a shop there and uh socal i think was there um but you know seeing like the local little guys is always like the the more interesting stuff to me so that was really nice uh the cars were amazing um the, there was like a whole food area that I didn't really like get to go through, but I, everybody I talked to said there was like it was full of good stuff. So uh, really a great show and definitely one I will consider hitting next year. Um, unfortunately, its proximity to Grand National does make it, you know, it's, it's hard to, to make because, because the drive down and back to from L.A. is such a long one. It's really hard to justify hitting both shows, but I absolutely love Moon Eyes. I, I use uh, I use all their their uh, chrome valve covers. The no name fin valve covers is what I'm running on the Galaxy. Uh, I've bought a ton of chrome and well aluminum that I took and had chromed parts from them. Uh, and I mean, Dean Moon is an icon for a reason. Moon Eyes is an icon for a reason. And Shig, uh, I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong. The current owner of Moon Eyes has done nothing but like make the legend more legendary. So it was really cool to to show up and support them, especially after just hanging out with the guys at Moon Eyes in Hawaii. So uh, that was really cool. Um, and since we're on the topic of show coverage, um, the next weekend, of course, was Grand National. So 
you know, dialed everything in, drove Truckee Verde down again, and uh, pretty regular drive, like not, not too much going on there. Uh, get to, I didn't have as much time this year um, as I did last year for Grand National, so I didn't get to hit as many other shops, um, and it was kind of one of those things where I, I really wanted to get the show coverage, and I didn't want to miss Grand National, but I... I just felt like I was spending too much time away from family. So I shot down uh, Thursday, hit the show Friday. Uh, it was really funny. Uh, I had a friend hit me up, and I sent him a picture of me standing in line at Grand National. And they were like, Jesus, man, what are you at an AARP meeting? And I was like, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> it's like me... And 300, like, gray-haired dudes, like, <laughs> in this huge line out into the parking lot. I was like, well, that's accurate, goddammit. Uh, and, of course, you know, I'm there on a Friday, you know, so, you know, only folks that are retired ha are able to be there on a Friday, and me, basically. So, I thought that by going Friday, I would there would be less people there. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, it was an AARP meeting. <laughs> You've never seen so many little scooty scoots in your whole life. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, so, uh, yeah, those little electric scooters were just like traffic jam the whole day. It was really hard to get good shots. Um, but I, I actually got to drive one around for a while, which was uh, it was a lot more fun than I thought it was. I was like, God damn, like maybe, maybe one of these isn't a bad idea. Um, Anyway, Grand National is Grand National. Like, if you haven't been to Grand National Roadster Show, you absolutely got it. Put it on your bucket list. It is the cream of the cream uh, in the buildings. And then outside is, especially if you go on Saturday, um, Sundays is okay too, but Saturday is really the day. Um, the drive-in show is as it's different, you know, because it's it's local guys and guys that drive in from all over the country, even guys that come from other countries. You know, it's one of the few shows in California that you can go to, and you know, you're you're just as likely to hear a, some other group of dudes like speaking with that, you know, the NorCal uh, West Coast uh, cadence as you are somebody from Australia or somebody from Germany or somebody from Japan or somebody from Sweden. I mean, it, people come to this show for a reason. I mean, it, it is an event. It is the, I believe it's the oldest hot rod and sh hot rod show or car show on the West Coast. Um, so yeah, it's it's absolutely worth your time. Um, and they have been doing themes for quite some time. You know, they'll have like a theme room, and you know, of course, they have the main hall where all the cars that are competing for the uh, America's or America's Most Beautiful Roadster. Uh, trophy and then uh, is also the room where most of your like big uh, hot rod shops have their booths um, you know and they you know they have the latest cool stuff that they're working on um, that room is I mean obviously fantastic because it's all the super top-notch shit like blank check like guys that are you know making money at a cartel level building cars um, so really cool stuff uh, I haven't got into that room on my coverage yet, but I think I'm pretty close. Um, 
my favorite stuff in that room, I mean, there's tons of stuff, but uh, I ended up talking with one of the guys from Pure Vision, uh, which was cool. No, I'm sorry. I said Pure Vision. I meant uh, Speedcore. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, anyway, so I had a, um, I ended up running into one of the guys from Speedcore and talking with him, and they had the, I can't think of the name of it right now, um, but they had, um, basically, if you don't know Speedcore, they're the guys that build the all-carbon-bodied uh, Dodge Chargers. And they, they do other stuff too, but that's kind of like in the show circuit, that's the, the one that they've been showing off. And I think they've sold, um, they sold one to like this, one of the uh, big wigs at Stellantis. Um, I think Kevin Hart has one. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of those kind of blank check cars as well, but um, they had one this year that was all white, which is a bold move. I mean, you're paying for a carbon vehicle and then painting it like refrigerator white. Uh, but it was, I mean, a refrigerator white charger, but full carbon body, like soup to nuts, all carbon. It's, they do an incredible job and it was really cool talking with them. Um, I really wish they were out here on the West coast. I absolutely understand why they're not. Um, but that is for sure. One of those shops, like I would love to visit, um, and, you know, especially after talking to, to this, I can't, I, I really feel bad. I can't remember the guy's name. He was super nice. Um, and like, you know, like most car guys are, and it's, uh, always cool to see their stuff and kind of dream, you know, what, what it would be like to own something like that. Uh, the car that I picked for the, or the, you know, my pick for America's most beautiful roadster isn't the one that won it, but you know, they're, they're really Especially in the last couple years, you know, for a while there in the the late night or the in the I would say in the like the last pre-COVID, like four or five years before COVID, um, a lot of most of the time, like the car that whatever car that won and the cars that were showing up for America's Most Beautiful Roadster were just like not cars that I was interested in. Um, they just weren't very. You know, I don't know. It, it just was, it was there's kind of this weird time frame where people were still kind of transitioning from the Boyd style cars, which I, I do genuinely like, um, back to traditional and kind of like an intermingling of the two. Um, and I think there was still like some like holdover guys from the, the 80s show rod days, which were kind of weird. Um, but within the last, I would say like, you know, maybe seven or eight years, like the cars have been consistently really killer. You know, at least I should say more to my style or more to what I'm interested in. Uh, and it was no exception this year. It was a fantastic group of cars. Uh, I really liked the uh, Roadster pickup because that's, you know, kind of my jam. Uh, the car that won uh, was, I don't know if it was originally a feat and I haven't had time to read up on it, but you know, black with like wild flames and it was a fan, um, a fantastic looking car. There, there weren't any losers in the bunch, you know, is, is basically what I'm getting at. It was a great looking car. Um, all in all, Grand National Roadster Show, like I said, it's, it's one of those shows you really should put on your list. If you've never been, it's absolutely worth, worth going once at least. Um, but make sure you've got like you know, a new pair of comfortable shoes on and, you know, you're, you're ready to be there all day. Cause it is, it's a really big show, especially if you go Saturday when all the drive-in cars come in. 
because they just pack every nook and cranny of the fairgrounds with with cars that that are just awesome and to, really fun to look at. So, Grand National Roadster Show and Irwindale. Um, I'm not sure what show is next for me. Um, I think it might be Lone Star Roundup. I don't know if I'm going to make that this year, but I'm really enjoying using the lowered really as an excuse to, to hit as many shows as possible and, you know, meet as many of you guys as possible, uh, seeing friends, uh, at grand national that I, I really see mostly only at grand national is, is always fun. Um, you know, seeing the dead end guys, even without one, um, I mean, it's always, it's hard, you know, not seeing one there. Uh, hopefully he's, he's feeling better and, and getting better and he'll be back out on the road with the dead end guys again soon. Um, but you know, those are the kind of things that I I look forward to every year at those shows. It's just, it's not just the cars. It's, you know, it's the folks you hang out with, um, talking with Wiesner. Um, I didn't, I don't think I I didn't get to to say hi to Max Grundy this time. Uh, he was just inundated with folks, um, talked with Axel. Uh, he runs the, the suede pavilion or palace or whatever they're calling it now. Um, just, you know, it's, it's one of those one of those types of shows. So, um, anyway, that's Moon Eyes Irwindale and Grand National Roadster Show. Moving on. So, I don't know if you guys have kids like I do, um, but my kids are, uh, well, they're, they're rad. They're mine. So, of course, they're rad. Uh, my son is in the age range where he likes to make lists and he's always asking questions, which is also pretty cool and leads to some interesting conversations. Um, but recently he asked, uh, what my, if I had to buy, if I could have any new car, I can't remember exactly how he ordered it, but he put some pretty strict, uh, stipulations on me. If I could have any new car and it had to be a new car, it couldn't be what I already had. Um, I could have anyone I want, like, and then he, uh, I think he, he changed it to, you know, what, what were the, my top five, like that I would have if I could have anything. And I'm, I'm a pretty practical guy. Um, you know, if I, I, I don't know, not to get too much in the weeds, but, um, I guess I could have gone like super pie in the sky, but I, I just can't help, um, I guess being scared of maintenance cost. So <laughs> I was really surprised, um, you know, how, uh, I kind of started off, you know, I guess n- nothing's cheap anymore, but anyway, um, so here's the list I came up with and it'd be interesting to, uh, see where you guys fall on this. Um, you know, it, anyway, so, uh, I've been reading quite a bit about the Mustang GTD. Um, so obviously completely impractical. Um, I do have other vehicles, uh, and he said I didn't have to give up any of my current vehicles in this hypothetical. So, uh, I felt pretty okay with choosing the Mustang GTD. Uh, I, it looks incredible. Uh, it sounds amazing in all the videos I've seen. And so, I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, it looks badass. The second one on my list is probably not going to be a surprise to any of you guys. The Lexus LC convertible. I just absolutely love them. Um, there's a couple here in town and every time I see one, I, I just can't 
stop staring at it. I just love that car. So that was um, that was the next one on my list. Um, I'm sure that this next one is also not going to surprise anybody, uh, the Porsche Dakar. And I know I'm choosing all two-seaters basically so far, which uh, was also not lost on me. So the fourth choice that I put forth was the Escalade V-Spec. Um, there's also, I've been able to see a couple of those up here where I live. And I mean, yeah, it looks like an Escalade, uh, which is not a bad thing in my opinion. I think the Escalade's fantastic looking. It's got the newest version of Escalade's digital, you know, or screen uh, gauge package on it, which I think looks fantastic. Um, I don't have any experience with it, haven't driven one yet, but they look great. And of course they sound phenomenal, especially when you have the exhaust open uh, or in like sp sport mode or whatever they're calling the loudest um, exhaust option. Um, it's also kind of cool that you can choose, you know, if you want the exhaust to be loud or not, although I think we all know where that setting would stay were I to actually be able to afford one. So the the final one I think is the one that um, well would probably surprise most people, although if you've been following me, probably not you, uh, Toyota Sienna. Uh, we just got back from Hawaii uh, where I hurt two minivans very badly. <laughs> I'll talk more about that later, but you know, driving uh, the minivans were just man, they're just so damn nice. They're so easy. They're so comfortable. They ride good. Uh, they get great mileage, uh, especially compared to anything that I own currently. Um, and if you've got kids, they're 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 just not beatable. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't see not owning a Sienna. I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. I'm sure it, it will probably not be long before it does finally happen. But yep, so that was my five. Um, the Mustang GTD, the Lexus LC convertible, the Porsche Dakar, the Escalade V-Spec, and the Sienna. So if you had to pick five new vehicles, what would you pick? Feel free to hit me up. Um, well... And when I post the podcast, I always post it on the Facebook and on the Instagram. If you've got five, you know, hit me up in the uh, the post for the announcement for the podcast, and it'd be cool to see what you guys pick. Anyway, on to the next. So I don't. Everybody's everybody's kind of feed is a little bit different and obviously mine is you know i'm just gonna be honest mine's all like thick thirsty girls and cars <laughs> if anybody at the government is tracking me like my what i'm interested in is is pretty cut and dry <laughs> i just imagine like two fbi guys wearing their like you know department store white like not fitted you know, button-up shirts with, like, crappy ties, and they're like, oh, it's James, uh, looking at thick, thirsty girls in cars again. Yeah, pretty much, that's, that's what he's doing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my Instagram feed. Um, oh, there's motorcycles and architecture and stuff, too, but, you know, if you're gonna be honest, like, there's, there is absolutely two main themes. Anyway, um, so, within the last couple of days, I started seeing, you know, because they, they start pushing ads your way based on what you look at, 
Um, and I have been just slammed in the last few days with these ads for VinFast. And I don't know if you guys are, it's kind of weird, but VinFast is a Chinese company that is trying to break into the American market. And it looks like they have uh, four main models uh, that they're going to be importing to the U.S. They have a, uh, a VF6, a VF7, VF8, and VF9. So they're obviously, you know, working really hard on these names. Um, VF, I would assume, stands for VinFast. Um, but 6, 7, 8, and 9, I don't know if that's just referring to size um, because it looks, it's kind of what it looks like to me. Um, I haven't really had chance to deep dive on it yet, but they don't seem to make a car. Uh, it looks like it's all SUVs, and from what I can tell, um, they have, you know, the the low the smaller ones are seem to be uh, electric, and the larger ones are gas. Um, they all seem to have all um, the smaller ones seem to be you know front wheel drive. Uh, or all-wheel drive, and the larger ones seem to be all-wheel drive. They're not bad looking, uh, but I'm. It's really interesting to see something like this because it. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, it's not. It's not very often that you know a new country tries to break into you know the American market. Um, some companies come and go. You know, like Alpha comes and goes. Um, every once, it seems like. I don't know, what is it, like every 15, 20 years? Um, I guess they never really go all the way away, but, you know, they're, they're certainly, you're not going to go to a regular auto mall and see an alpha dealer. You know, let's be real. Um, when I was a, in high school, like Hyundai came over. Um, Hyundai had been here already under various guises with, uh, you know, different auto, American automotive manufacturers, like through rebadging efforts. But like having their own standalone vehicle and, you know, that they're selling to the American populace, like that was really interesting. Uh, you know, even I don't know if you're uh, around my age, you probably remember when Yugo uh, tried to make a break into the U.S. market with their their little hatchback, which didn't last long. Um, Hyundai, I didn't think would last much longer. And um, I think a lot of people don't remember um, you know, Hyundai's were just garbage when they first brought them over here. Uh, actually dated a couple girls that had the little Hyundai Excels, like I'm sure many guys, if you're listening to this and you're in my age range, that you probably did too. And if you had ever had the displeasure to work on them, uh, I was 100% positive that at the end of every parts manufacturing, individual part component manufacturing line at the Hyundai dealer, was a knife edge sharpener because <clears throat> if you were working on a Hyundai and didn't walk away bleeding, like you you didn't work on a Hyundai. I don't think you could check air pressure on a Hyundai and not cut yourself. It was like every every edge on the car <clears throat> had been run through a knife sharpener. They were just, Jesus, I hated those cars. Um, but it's not the same company now. You know, they, they've turned themselves around in a big way. They made the whole, uh, for Kia, Kias are, are pretty great as well by, you know, any measure you would, you'd want to look at in regards to the reviews and, um, you know, how they perform with consumer reports and shit like that. So, 
Um, I have seen some reviews for VinFast stuff. Um, they are already like throughout Europe. Obviously, they're in China. And um, I think I even saw a couple reviews from down in Australia. Uh, you Australian guys will have to, to hit me up and let me know if I'm tripping or not. But um, it'll be interesting to see what this company does. Uh, I mean, they, they obviously know what's selling. Their, their whole lineup is SUVs. Um, and I, I was like, well, shit, you know, like if I wanted to go look at one of these, where would I have to go? And, um, they actually have, I mean, they're, they're really seem to be focused, um, you know, around the Bay area and LA, uh, there's not a whole lot of stuff in between. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to make it a point. I think the next trip I shoot down to SoCal, either I'll go through the Bay or, or I'll make a point to find one in Southern California and kind of just check them out. Um, but they, they actually have uh, showrooms in uh, Huntington Beach, in uh, Ceremony, in uh, Berkeley, no surprise there, uh, Redwood City, or Redwood Highway, oh, Madera, okay. Yeah, they have one in Madera, and they have one in San Mateo. So they're, they're obviously gunning, you know, for that, like, tech, um, you know, tech center, like, kind of clientele which makes sense you know especially when the entry-level models are are uh are electric so i don't know if you guys are seeing these vinfast ones if you've got any experience with them be interested to hear what you guys think um it'd be really interesting to see a chinese model um and how it's received in the states um i kind of i have to say with the styling i am a little disappointed that it isn't more different uh, I think every, anybody that's really, I'm not a super, you know, like new car guy, um, myself, I, I really appreciate the new stuff and I love reading about what's coming out and what's happening in the automotive industry. But, um, like style wise, American stuff is, is kind of okay. Um, you know, hit or miss depending on model, uh, the Japanese stuff, uh, especially Toyota was in a real slump for a long time, but they're really pulling out of it. Um, Honda is, seems to be going through like a real like edgy phase. Um, you know, but the, the Korean stuff from Hyundai, from Kia, uh, has been really, really good lately, I think style wise. And it's unique. Like you can look at a Korean built car and, and, and it's not Japanese, you know, it doesn't look like a Japanese car. It's a different design feel. Uh, it's a, a different vibe. Just like you look at an American car or you look at a German car. Um, it's got different vibes. And I have to say I'm a little disappointed. The VinFast doesn't, like, I don't know what a Chinese vibe would be. I don't know who is doing the designs for VinFast. Um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't by looking at them. Um, I'm sure CalArts, somebody from CalArts is, is in the mix. Um you know, there might be like a Korean or like a Japanese designer in there, uh, you know, either through America or through those individual countries. But like looking at it, like, is this Japanese, is this Chinese car design? Like, is this what they're, it, you know, if, if you're a Chinese kid that grew up with, you know, in China, in their, in that culture, and you want to design a car that's, you know, an expression of chi Chinese like design ethic, 
you know, just like, you know, I would say, you know, if you were a European or, um, you know, or, or if you're in China and somebody was like, what's an American car? They're probably going to say something like Ford F-150 or Mustang or Camaro. Like those are American icons, you know, or Cadillac or, you know, Buick is huge in China for, I don't know why, but they are, um, you know, but I don't know. I guess I'm kind of disappointed. Like I want more something different. Um, there is a, um, the, I mean, China's just kind of getting their shit together, um, in regards to like a middle class, which is, you know, so they're building cars for the middle class. And I think they had, but the, just kind of like the, the Russians had, um, uh, God, I can't, I, it wasn't a lot. I can't think of the name of the Russian, like they, they build a big sedan, but it was in Russia, but it was only for like their diplomats and like secret service and like high level, um, you know, like high level folks. And I think in China, I think, oh, it's Hong, Hong Kui. Uh, and I guess Hong Kui translates to red flag. And they make a Chinese like full size sedan. And it's, um, it's got like a, uh, it's got like a red stripe that goes down, uh, like up through the grill. I, I don't know if they all do, but it's got a red stripe that goes like up through the grill and then through a hood ornament and then like across the top of the hood. And I, that's, I mean, it's one red stripe, you know, it's a small thing, but it, it's a, it's a design element. Like it's, it seems to be something that they include in, in their, their vehicles. It's like a trademark. And I was really kind of hoping, like, when China came over, we'd get something new, you know. But, you know, if you took the badges off of this thing and said, oh, this is the new Honda or this is the new Toyota or, you know, hell, if you if you told me that these were, like, the new, you know, Buick even, because there definitely is some kind of Chevy and a little bit of Kia and a little bit of Hyundai and Honda, you know, I can even see, like, even a little bit of Honda in the front bumpers on the, the, especially on the VF seven has got kind of a Honda or Toyota vibe. Um, I this just feels like a mix up of shit that we already have. I don't see anything new here, um, which is kind of, I guess the bummer I'm getting at, but it'll be cool to check it out and it'll be interesting to see how it's received. Um, you know, especially with, uh, American attitudes toward China being, not the same, but similar as to, um, what I, you know, I remember our views kind of being of Russia when I was younger. So I don't know. I think it'll be cool. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that's received and, and what the reviews are and, uh, you know, what becomes of this brand if it lasts, uh, maybe it'll be like Yugo, it'll be a flash in the pan, or maybe it'll be like Hyundai and Kia, you know, maybe they'll stick around who knows we will see um but for you guys overseas that have them already uh yeah what what's the story what do you guys think uh so yeah vinfast all right so that was episode 18 thank you guys so much if you made it this far i really appreciate it as always, uh, if you want to follow me on my other things, 
<clears throat> I have the Facebook page is the lowered. I have the Instagram page is the lowered HMFIC. And the website, uh, thelowered.com. And I also started a Patreon. So if you want to, you know, hook me up uh, or support me um, so I can hit more shows. Not that I um, have too many folks on that, but <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing with that, to be honest. I'm trying to figure it out, I'm trying to, to get some kind of benefit to you guys through that. Um, but I'm a one-man show, so it's it's a lot. So anyway, thank you guys so much uh, for making it all the way through, if you have. And um, yeah, episode 18. Uh, I'm so far on track to get one of these out a month. Pretty cool. I hope you guys are doing good, and um, we'll see you next time.